morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. And today I'm talking about Demas and Judas and Simon Magus, who fooled everybody. There are believers who are false. That is, they're not saved. And there are two classes of these non-believer believers. Those who know they're not saved, but have come in to secretly spy out church doings in order to purposely corrupt true believers. That's Galatians 2.4. And there are non-believing believers who don't know that they're not saved. They think they are, but they're not. They'll be surprised on Judgment Day, according to Matthew 7.21. Since the Galatians type of non-believer, the ones who secretly spy, come in, they want to blend in, so they will blend in. He won't be detectable as a non-believer until or unless he gets tired of the game and drifts away. Believing marks him as a non-believer, according to 1 John 2.19. The Matthew 7 type of non-believer thinks they're a part of the body of Christ. So due to their sincerity and their actions, they'll blend in too. They'll be doing all the things, attending church, giving, toting a Bible, praying, talking about Christ and prayer and Christiany things. So how is it that non-believers come into the church and linger a while undetected? Well, because the enemy sows them. Matthew 13:25. He sows tares among the wheat. Apparently, tares are nearly indistinguishable from wheat until the very end, just before harvest. The false wheat in agriculture is called darnel. Darnel and real wheat look very much like the real thing, like each other. Atlas Obscura wrote, Darnel is a mimic weed, neither entirely tame or quite wild. It looks and behaves so much like wheat that it can't live without human assistance. It's definitely not good for us. When people eat darnel seeds, they get dizzy, off balance, and nauseous. Its official name, L. Temulentum, comes from a Latin word for drunk. Darnell shows up time and again in key literary texts as a symbol of subversion. Where there is Darnell, there is treachery and toxicity, has been written in the Journal of Ethnobiology. That's the end of the Atlas Obscura quote. But here's how close Darnell mimics wheat. Nobody suspected Judas. He lived with the disciples for three years day and night, traveling with them, eating with them. And when Jesus said at the Last Supper that one of them was to betray him, nobody pointed to Judas. They even asked Jesus if it was themselves, 
before suspecting Judas. In another example, Demas ministered with Paul alongside him for some time. Paul even called Demas a fellow worker in Philemon 1.24. But by the time 2 Timothy 4.10 rolled around, about five or seven years later, Demas had departed for he loved the world and therefore showing he did not love Christ. Philip was fooled by Simon the magician. Philip baptized Simon and even continued and Simon continued on with Philip for a while. But by the time Acts 18:18 18, 18 rolled around, I'm sorry, Acts 8, 18, and Simon saw that the spirit was delivered by the laying on of hands and that people could do miracles. He offered Peter money to buy the spirit. Well, that's a big oops. Again, Acts 8.18 has the story. Now, McLaren's exposition on Matthew 13.24, which is, uh, the verse says, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Well, McLaren says, Every truth has its counterfeit. Neither institutions, nor principles, nor movements, nor individuals bear unmingled crops of good. Not merely creature imperfection, but hostile adulteration marks them all. There are then two classes of men represented in the parable. And these two are distinguishable, without doubt, by their conduct. Tares are said to be quite like wheat, until the heads show. And then there's a plain difference. Um, that was the end of the McLaren exposition. But I loved his phrase, hostile adulteration. And that's what happens when the devil sows his seed into the church. In Acts 13, 8 to 11, there's a satisfying scene with Saul, who became known as Paul, and Elymas. Here's the scene. But Elymas the magician, for so his name was translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared at him and said, You who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not stop making crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell on him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Wouldn't it be great to be able to stare at someone and know their faults and pronounce a curse like blindness on them? It's a good thing that Jesus did not give that capability to all of us. But it is a serious, serious thing to come into the faith 
and try and snatch believers away and pollute the name of Christ. As Paul said, they are deceivers full of fraud. Well, what are we to do about these Darnell tears? First, the believer must be aware they exist. If someone persists in believing or even teaching false doctrine in church, it must be confronted. It could be the believer is misguided or young or naive and willing to listen and learn. But if the believer does not return to the straight path, persists in promoting false doctrine, and is truculent about it when confronted, it may be that person is someone the devil has sent to spy on our freedom and bring us into chains. If someone is morally sinning, not doctrinally sinning, they must be confronted too, so they can be restored. If they persist in unrepentant sin, their example will spread like gangrene and they must be excommunicated because, again, they may be one that the adversary has sent. The wolf must be sent outside of the fold after appeals and prayers and patient confrontation, as per 2 Timothy 4.2 and Matthew 18.15's process advise. So it must be, they must be confronted. And secondly, we do nothing. That's right. Until or unless they show themselves as drifting, show themselves as believing a lie, or actually leaving the church, or sinning unrepentantly, we can't tell who is Darnell and who is true. Many people who are false will go on and on, seeming to be true believers. And Jesus said to leave those ones alone until the harvest. He will sort them out because he can see into the heart. As for the one step that goes beyond false believers, there will be false teachers. Yes, it seems impossible that someone could ascend to a position of authority in the church, pastor a flock, teach the Holy Scriptures, and be false, but there will be and there are. Matthew 24, 24 says, of the tribulation, false Christs and false prophets will arise and provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. 2 Peter 2.1 says that in our day, not just the tribulation that the Matthew verse refers to, says, but false prophets also appeared among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Well, in the Matthew 24, 24 verse, Barnes notes, says that some of these prophesied false Christs will be so good at mimicking the real believer. 
It says in the commentary, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So nearly would their pretended miracles resemble true miracles as to render it difficult to detect the imposter. So much so that if it were possible, they would persuade even true Christians they were the Messiah. But of course, the verse says that they won't in the end. Now, I'm writing this as a reminder of these things. It seems that years of the God is love and love your neighbor has obscured these truths and relegated them to a back room of Christian living. Not that we go searching for false believers or false teachers, but we must be aware they exist. The Bible gives many instructions for dealing with someone who is drifting, believing falsely, or unrepentantly sinning. These people are dangerous. So many people today seem surprised when someone believes a lie or teaches extra biblical things or departs the faith. They think that ignoring the issue or just accepting them as, quote, carnal will solve it. It won't. Don't be fooled. J.C. Ryle said in this quote, there is a widespread gullibility among professing Christians, and every heretic who tells his story plausibly is sure to be believed. And everyone who doubts him is called a bigot and a narrow-minded man. That was J.C. Ryle in his uh, essay, Warnings to the Churches. Well, to finish up here, remember, Judas, Simon Magus, and Demas showed their true colors eventually, but for a time they fooled people. Their counterfeit was successful for a while. But when revealed, they dealt with it. Jesus told Judas to go, do what he must do. Paul let Demas leave and then announced him as a lover of the world. And Peter told Simon Magus he better repent. False believers exist. Be discerning in love, but be discerning. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.